Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. This episode is taken from our series exploring the book of Jonah, as we discover together a story that is all about the goodness of God, a story that leads us to Jesus, and a story that invites us to be transformed by the wonder of who he is. Thanks for joining us. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give some shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than a 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Good morning, everyone. Uh, Hello to everyone on the floor here. Hello to those upstairs and hello to everyone online. If you don't know me, my name's Adrian. I'll be guiding us through this last part. I was looking at this amazing story that Julia has just so excellently read out to us at the end of Jonah. And thank a big thank you to Julia as well. But before we get there, and there's going to be a couple of before we get there's... um, When my kids were growing up, so some time ago, because they're all late teens now, uh, a favourite book we had as a family, in actual fact, some of them would still say it's one of their favourite books now, uh, was a book called You Choose. Uh, And You Choose is this amazing book where it's just full of pictures and each kind of couple of pages is starts with a question and the question then is to be answered by whoever's reading it, by using the images that are below to kind of get you to use your imagination and consider like, where would I like to live on the earth? And there's like loads of different places that you could do. And our favorite page that we used to look at um, as a family was what would you like to do as a job? In actual fact, let me just show you that page, which should appear on the screens now. Um, Some of you may or may not be able to pick up some of the details, but different things like an astronaut uh, or a firefighter. There was those sort of roles. And the job that I always chose literally every night was a ship's cat. That was the job I wanted out of all of those jobs, a ship's cat. And my kids would just find it hysterical and they'd cry with laughter, even though for the previous year I'd used the same image every time. We can get rid of the image now. And 
In it, what I learn over time is there comes an age where your kids don't find you funny anymore, uh, and uh, th that would seem to be the case now. Um, if you're not at that point yet, revel in it. Because my kids genuinely thought I was a comedy genius for about six years, and then now, not so much. Um, but in it, what I want us to see, why am I telling you about you choose, is because as we get to the end of Jonah, what we find out is that it ends with a question. A question that's unanswered. And that's for a reason. It's a, a reason that's set there that we can find uncomfortable as a Western audience listening to it, because we're used to things being kind of brought to an ending, like tied up nicely and parceled to us, say, oh yeah, there you go, that's the ending. Oh, we'll go away with that. Rather, this one like, ends with a question where God turns to every single one of us and says, you choose. But before we get to understand what we choose, I want to just remind us of where we've been as a family, as a church, over these last few weeks. As, as long, along with reading the story of Jonah, what we said is we wanted to use this as a moment to encourage one another, to push one another in our practice of reading the Bible. Seeing that reading the Bible isn't a chore, isn't something we kind of tick off and say, oh yeah, I did that, I better do it, but rather is there in order that we discover more of who God is and then in turn discover more of who we are and how we're being drawn into the wonder of his story of love. And we produced this card, which you can get if you've not already got one, uh, as you exit today, which just talks about how we read the Bible in a what, a when, and a how. And what we've encouraged each other to do is say, hey, let's try and do this daily. Not with a kind of a uh, certificate that's presented at the end of saying, well done, or a ruler that comes and smacks you across the knuckles to say you should have done better but rather of a deep sense of, man, this does us good, let's just go for it. I don't know how you found it over the last seven weeks of just seeking to read the Bible more. Maybe you're sat there going, please don't ask me because I've just not done it. That's all right. Today is a new day. For many of us, though, we'll say, yeah, I've been reading it more. And doesn't it do us good? I know for me, along with Jonah, I've been reading through the Psalms, and I was struck this week, and I'll share it with the small group I'm part of, um, of Psalm 36, 5 to 7. And in actual fact, I'm going to read these verses out because they're going to become the lens in which we look at the end of this story of Jonah. Where the psalmist writes, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. Oh Lord, how precious is your unfailing love. Oh God, all humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. What this psalmist speaks of is what Jonah knew to be true, but didn't want it to be so. And something we're all invited to see is that God is a God of unfailing love. Like, it's already come through in terms of our singing, our worship together of this love that's eternally existed. And it's an unfailing love. It has no end and has no condition. It's there. It's unfailing love that God longs that the whole of humanity would come and shelter within. And that love isn't just to humanity, it's for the whole of his creation. As we're going to discover through this story, as it ends in Jonah, 
We see God's unfailing love revealed. An unfailing love that what? Shelters. An unfailing love that is for humanity. And an unfailing love that is for the whole of creation. Even the animals. And so with that in mind, I want us to dig into this story. You see that you find that Jonah has left the city. Last week, with all that Richard so excellently looked at, if you didn't hear the talk, go online and listen to it, um, we looked at was that Jonah was still in the city, questioning who God is, saying, I knew you'd show your love and mercy, God. You're way more loving than I want you to be. And we find at this point that Jonah has left. He's gone east. Now, today, we haven't got time to look at all the breadcrumbs. Remember, each week, we've been following different moments of breadcrumbs. You think, all right, why does it east? Like, I'm just going to throw them out there, and you go and follow them. Or come and talk to me at some point, and we can follow them together. But one of those breadcrumbs, he goes east. Look at a very, another story. You'll find it at the very beginning, where some people are sent east. That's the first one. We'll also see towards the end, we're going to come up to it, of some people who come from the east. Anyway, there's the east. There's a breadcrumb story. Another one we'll find is that Jonah builds himself a shelter, and that word shelter that he builds is a Hebrew word, sukkah, which is uh, linked to another breadcrumbs moment, to the booths, the shelters that God's people built in the wilderness and then had a festival all around. Now, that's another breadcrumbs moment. You can go and run after and see all that that reveals. We haven't got time to look at it today. We find that within this story, as Jonah is in the east, as he's looking at the city, as he finds his shelter, finally, Jonah is filled with joy. He's happy, momentary. And then we'll find that he goes back to a place which he quite likes And we find that in the end, there's this conversation finally between God and Jonah. Where God and Jonah are talking about God's unfailing love. And how will Jonah respond to it? And therefore, it's that that I want us to pick up on. I want us to see this unfailing love. An unfailing love that provides shelter. An unfailing love that we're going to discover is for all. An unfailing love that waits. In terms of that first thing then, an unfailing love that shelters, in verse 6 it says, And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head. Shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. God sends a plant to shelter Jonah, and it causes Jonah to know joy. The reality is that Jonah had built himself a shelter. But his shelter that he'd built was inadequate. It didn't actually help him be shielded from the sun. We find that it isn't until God sends the shelter, a plant, that that's the thing that causes him to know shade and protection. See, before we rush off to see how God is going to use this plant to teach Jonah something, I actually want us to first of all see that this unfailing love of God is a love that provides shelter. A love that comes and offers a covering, a protection out of God's unfailing love for humanity. See, for this moment for Jonah, he loves it. He's like, man, this is the best. Like, it's the high point of the story for Jonah. He's like, I've got a plant and it's just for me. And look at how good it is. In actual fact, he doesn't mind about anyone looking at it. He knows how good it is. It's bringing him deep comfort. 
But you see, that moment of Jonah knowing God's unfailing love through shelter, you actually see throughout God's story with humanity. You see, at the very beginning of the book, where God creates humanity, and humanity decide, actually, we know better than you, God, and decide to go after living with their own way of living. And out of it, it breaks creation, and they discover like the difference between good and evil. And as such, they suddenly feel shame for the first time in their life. So they try to cover themselves up. They make a shelter of their own making of some kind of leaves or something. And God like calls them out of their shame and says, there's consequences to your actions. But I want you to know my unfailing love and the fact that I can shelter you, I can cover you. We find that God then physically gives them clothes to wear in order they wouldn't feel the shame that they were feeling. Then find a couple of chapters on that there's this other moment where Cain, who we talked about last week, who burned with anger and out of his anger kills his brother, then has to face up to the consequences of what he's done. He says, oh no, but people are going to come after me. And God, again, in his unfailing love, like, brings a shelter over Cain, like covers him, gives him a mark, and then speaks protection over him, saying like no one's to touch him. You then find as you go through the story, you find the people of God in slavery and wanting to know liberation in Egypt. And God comes and says, I'm going to make a way for you. And it's through this way where you need to come and take the blood of a lamb and put it over your doorpost in order that you know protection and sheltering in this moment. And death comes to every other household apart from those that have the blood of the lamb over the doorposts. But the sheltering that God gives, that we see through the Old Testament, which we see even in Jonah's story, is always like a foreshadow of the greatest shelter that's going to come. A shelter that comes when we're told by John in his account of Jesus' life says that Jesus came and put his shelter up amongst us. Came to say, I'm coming to provide what you've always wanted. And that we find through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he offers a shelter for everyone to come and live underneath. You see, we all try and make shelters of our own making. Shelters that we believe through what we say or how we act or what we do that it will kind of hopefully mean that we'll be okay. But our shelters always leave us wanting. Never quite deliver what we're asking for. Never quite get us that place of peace or rest. That place of feeling like we're okay, that we have nothing to prove. And that Jesus through his life, death and resurrection comes and says, no, I become your shelter. The shelter that you've always needed. In order that you and I can come and sit beneath what? What the psalmist says, the shadow of his wings and know his protection. Like, see, when we see the shelter that God in his unfailing love provides for Jonah, it's meant to cause us to think, man, remember the shelter that God has provided for us, Jesus? that never fades, goes on for eternity? Like if Jonah was joy-filled for a one-day-old plant that then died, 
how much more should we be full of joy in the shelter that we gain through Jesus? Or maybe today you're here in the room or you're online, like exploring the wonder of who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who comes to provide shelter for you, for everything you've ever wanted. And for those of us who've discovered this shelter, it's then, do we live enjoying it, rejoicing in it, that Jesus is enough? Let's not go back to building our own shelters. But the story doesn't end there. You see, God not only wants to reveal his unfailing love through the shelters he builds, he also wants us to understand that his unfailing love is for all. So in verse 10, 11a, we see, then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, Though you did nothing to put it there, it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. See, the problem was Jonah liked God's unfailing love for him. He just didn't like it for other people. Particularly those who he decided didn't deserve God's unfailing love the Ninevites. And so God uses this plant, which Jonah deeply cares about, loves, to reveal something to Jonah about his own unfailing love. And so God causes this very short moment in time to become a story, a lesson for Jonah, I hope for us. And he appeals to Jonah and says, look, just as you cared for this plant and then this plant dies... And in the plant dying, Jonah's like, I don't want to be in a world where this plant isn't alive. I want out. I want to die. Like, there's, a, there's a comedy in that. There's a black comedy in that of like, what? Like a plant dies and you're like, that's it. I want out. It's extreme. And yet it's meant to be there because we're meant to understand something of the unfailing love of God, of God turning to Jonah and says, like, you feel like that about this plant about the mercy, the unfailing love of mine that you got to know through this plant. And it is gone. What about something that you have deeply been connected to? Because for me, as God, I'm deeply connected to my creation. And when I look at this city that you say deserves judgment, I want to reveal my unfailing love. See, Jonah wanted them to know judgment that meant they would be destroyed. That's what he gets to see. He gets to see God's unfailing love in a plant to provide shelter, and then he gets to experience what he really wanted to happen to the city, it to be destroyed, and he didn't like it. And God says, like, why wouldn't you think the same about this city then? This city that is full of humans, That word humans there is saying people who reveal God's image, God's image bearers, like you and I, like every human being. He says, don't you see them? They're the same as you. But they're caught up in spiritual darkness. They don't know they're they're right from the left. They don't know what evil and good is. That's why they've been giving themselves to destruction. It's why I've come out of my love and said, if you don't change, this is going to happen. And we see they turn to God. It's this people who bear my image, who don't know the difference between good and evil, but also this city that represents my creation. There are animals there. 
Remember Psalm 36? The God who, out of his unfailing love, provides what? Shelter for humans and animals. God appeals to him. He says, no, no, my unfailing love is always for all. There's no limits on it. My heart and my desire is that all would come in to know my unfailing love, to be sheltered by my unfailing love, to receive and be shaped by my unfailing love. The same is true for us. The wonder of what we get to know now, fully revealed of God's unfailing love through the sending of Jesus to live, die, and rise again in order that we would know God's unfailing love is for everyone. Like, no limits. You know, as Richard read out from Isaiah, you know, to the ends of the earth. The places that you can think are thinking, they're surely not there, or where Rich and Ali went to a people group that had not yet heard fully of the wonder of Jesus. Yes, to them. That's what God's desire is. But also to the people that we don't like. Our Ninevehs. The people who we think, oh no, no, surely not them. They don't deserve it. God says, no, no, my unfailing love is to all. Even when God speaks judgment, He's not unmoved by oppression. He's not unmoved by people's wrong actions. It's in order that there would be then repentance, a change of mind, to say, no, I, I, I hear this. This isn't how I should live. I want to turn and receive your unfading love and be shaped by it. And so Jonah and us, we come to the same point of saying, all right, God, your love is for all. And then God does an amazing thing. Because God's unfailing love means that he waits. Unfailing love waits. So we find the story ends with this question. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Like how loving is God to Jonah? He doesn't pressure him, doesn't bully him. He just leaves him with the question. How are you going to respond? See, Jonah, we don't know how he responds. And there's a reason for that. Because actually it points to other moments. There's another story actually that Jesus told where um, we find another end where it's kind of left with someone kind of not quite answering the question that's been raised. And we don't know how they've answered it. You find it in Luke 15, where it's the story of the prodigal son, which tells the story of one son who kind of decides, actually, Dad, I wish you were dead, and I want my inheritance now, and gets his inheritance and blows it on everything. Gets to a point of utter desperation and thinks, man, I think even the people who work for my dad get a better life than this. I'll go back and ask if I can have a job. Upon his return, his dad sees him coming, runs to greet him, and then accepts him fully back as a beloved son, offering him everything. And we think, man, that's where the story's going to end, like Nineveh, repenting. Surely that's where it's going to end, chapter 3. And yet Jesus doesn't end the story there. Rather, he ends it with this younger brother's older brother who wants nothing to do with a party that's going on. For his younger brother. In Luke 15, 28, 32, Jesus says this, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. 
His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The story ends. We don't know what the older brother does. He's just left in the field. And in both Jonah's story and both in Jesus' story of the prodigal son, it's in order that we see God ask us a question. Like, do you see how loving I am? What are you going to do about it? It's like the mirror comes up in the story of Jonah. The mirror comes up in that story of the prodigal son and say, like, are we okay with God being this loving? Like, Really? And God just says, you'll move, you'll choose, you choose. You see, what we find is we end up with two seats. We have a seat where Jonah and the older brother sit, where they say, no, God, your love should be conditional. It should only be for those who I think it should be before, but particularly me. And then we find on the other seat, God of unfailing love, whose deepest desire is to draw all into the knowledge of that unfailing love, to have lives shaped by that unfailing love. So I want to read us a poem, a poem written by Thomas John Carlyle, who put the whole of the book of Jonah into a poem. You can't actually buy it, you can kind of borrow it online. I can show you a link at some point. He says this. It's called Coming Around. And Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God is still waiting for a host of Jonas in their comfortable houses to come around to his way of loving. I thought this was about Jonah. That's about you, and it's about me. Love with conditions, unfailing love, and God turns the question on you and on me. You choose. It's where we are. I want us to do that. Whether we're in the room, whether we're online. The book of Jonah poses a question. Will we live receiving and being shaped by God's unfailing love? And just where we are, I just want to ask us to close our eyes and to consider our answer.
having considered our answer, I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask us to do a really bold thing. It's a bold thing whether you do it or don't do it, actually. If you're someone today who says, I want to be, I want to receive and be shaped more by God's unfailing love. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. Now, for some of you, you don't want to, and that's okay. That's okay. There is no judgment. Because ultimately, if we're talking about unfailing love, how bad is that if you're being judged for not standing? But for some of us, we are. And I'm going to pray that we would then know more of that unfailing love. Maybe you're online, and what I encourage you to do is maybe just stick on the chat now. I receive your unfailing love. I'm going to count to three, and then if you want to be shaped and receive this unfailing love, I just ask you to stand where you are. One, two, three. Just where you are, why don't we close our eyes, just put your hands out, so I say, I receive what you have for me, therefore. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present here now. I thank you that you are present in every room of people watching online. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your deepest desire is that we would know more of the unfailing love of the Father. Would be shaped more by that unfailing love. Wouldn't allow it to limit the Father's love towards us and the Father's love towards others. And I just pray now, would you come by your spirit and would you cause us to know something more of that unfailing love? I pray for some of us where we bring limits on ourselves. Where we say, actually, no, God, you, you surely don't want to love that part of me. God, I pray, would you cause your love to break down every wall, every barrier, and cause us, there's no place hidden, that you want the whole of us. And I pray, God, would you cause us also to leave today. I pray, would we leave today with that deep sense that we're now those that carry this message of unfailing love. And it's an unfailing love for all. Therefore, would you cause us never to limit that love towards others? Never to limit kind of who or may, who not can receive it. I pray, would we be liberal in the greatest way of that word of calling others in to receive and taste and see how good your fading love is? We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Oh,